0: Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing
1: in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies.
0: Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It still gives us the life. Live. The reality is, he is all things beautiful, capital B, and so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God.
2: And good morning to you. This is Real Presence Live. Hoping you're having a beautiful morning, as just mentioned in the intro. And we're here with you for the next two hours. Thank you for joining us. My name is Steve Splonskowski and I'm in studio with... Tom O'Keefe. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing today? I am very well. Very blessed today. Excellent. Well, before we get into our conversation, Tom, you want to lead us in a prayer?
3: I do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Open my mouth, Lord, and I will pro- proclaim your praise. Just thinking about this beautiful day, we're so grateful grateful for this Easter season, grateful for Lent as we move towards Pentecost. We're just grateful for your resurrection and the sacrifice that you've made for us. We're grateful for this apostolate, this Real Present Radio that reaches so many people and touches so many lives. And we just ask that the Holy Spirit be with us today as we continue to do this work. Amen. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Folks, uh, we are here with you for the next two hours on Real Presence Live. We're going to speak to John Hansen a little bit about politics and education. Father Jason Leffer is going to come on and talk about a retreat he's leading at Maryville. We also have Dr. Christopher DeCock is going to come on and talk about a few questions that he has um, that he'd like to respond to this morning. And we're going to be with you for the next two hours with uh, these conversations and more, so don't go anywhere. Um, but, uh, Tom, let's talk a little bit about what's going on uh, for you with this. the third week of Easter third week of easter
3: this is probably one of the most fruitful easters i've ever had you know and and and, and it was a maybe on the heels of, of a fruitful lent you know uh, lent is such a journey and as you as you as you race towards uh, uh christ's uh, crucifixion as His sacrifice for us and now this this easter season is a little bit of time for us to relax and and, and be joyful in that a little bit and I'm, I'm really experiencing that this year
2: that's great you know i uh it's been a, a great. It was a great Lent and a great Easter, Tom, for me as well. I, uh, of course, one of the great things is we have forty days of Lent and then fifty days of Easter. So that's that's a great thing. But uh, you know, uh, coming into the spring here and uh, with the snow melting and hearing the birds sing too, and went for a beautiful walk yesterday with my family. And uh, just uh, you know, Jacinta and I were talking about how you know we've been uh, we've been living here for almost twenty years. We've been married for uh, just under twenty three years, and And it's just kind of, you stop and think back and how quickly that time flies, but also how many graces and how many gifts the Lord has given us in those years together. Uh, It's just, it's just, it's flabbergasting.
3: Yeah, I was, uh, I gave a little talk about my my story last night at St. Anthony's Church here in Fargo. And as I finished it, I I, I looked back and I I thought, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. You know, you and I have been married for 38 years and all the things that we've been through over that 30 years, eight years, and you think, how did this happen? Well, it only happened uh, th- through, through the grace of God uh, and, and, and our participation with that, that we've got through those beautiful times and challenging times together.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's a, the Lord is good. I mean, and it's kind of one of the things we were talking about earlier. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it, how it's sometimes um, saying yes to the Lord can get a little overwhelming, <laughs> and sometimes you're thinking, okay, I, I'm doing too many things, I need to step away, um, but I think the Lord might be, at least for me, in, in a little, di- different infer- in, uh, little different invitation um, on that, but um, we're going to move into our conversation here with John Hansen I'm joining us this morning. John, how are you this morning?
1: Hey, I'm great. How are you guys?
2: Excellent. Where are you coming to us from?
1: I am from Del Rapids, South Dakota, a right. little town just north of Sioux Falls.
2: Excellent. And a uh, beautiful morning there? Oh, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was a long winter. <laughs> and uh, finally, it's nice. The snow is melting. It's basically gone. So we're loving it. Yeah, it's, it's very nice outside. All
2: right. So, John, John, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, like I said, I live in Del Rapids with my wife, uh, Sheila. We have six kids now. One, one is on the way, five born and one unborn. We've got a baby boy we just found out that's doing... Uh, September, so we're really excited about that. I, uh, I attend uh, St. Mary's here in Del Rapids, great little parish. We've got a K through 12 school attached to our parish, part of the sort of mission of our parish. And, uh, I've been in, uh, state politics now for about eight years on and off. I'm a state legislator in South Dakota and, uh, really focused my efforts on a number of issues related to, um, you know, protection of life. Uh, protection of religious liberties, and uh, you know, I've really found that education policy is just really, really important. And uh, so that's become a, a, a strong focus of mine as well.
2: Excellent. And we're going to be here talking with you for the next 30 minutes. Um, and John, I want to get into some of those questions, but before we do, I would like to know how did you get into politics? What was your journey towards working, you know, working as a servant uh, for for the people?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I guess my journey into politics started about the same time that I got serious about my faith. I'm a convert. Used to be Lutheran, converted to Catholicism. And uh, about the same time that I started getting real serious about uh, my religious life, my interior life, and I, I just found the Lord, fell in love with the Lord, was about the same time that I just started to sort of look around me and see, all right, well, you know, I've got this this love of the Lord, what's he calling me to do? And I had grown up as a kid, every morning I'd wake up and, you know, it wasn't the cartoons that were on the TV. It was the, it was the morning news. Mom had the morning news on the TV. And so I think that sort of sparked just um, an interest in current events. And then through my conversion, um, really just started paying more attention to the issues of the world and sort of found my way into politics through that. I just felt like the Lord was pulling me, calling me into that direction. Practically speaking, I ended up doing an internship in the state legislature during my time in college. And, uh, when, when I was out there, I just was looking around and thought, well, you know, I could do this. Um, I think the Lord has equipped me with certain skills and knowledge. And, um, so it just so happened there was an open seat legislature. Um, there's only one member of my party that was running there was an incumbent of the other party so i jumped in uh we took out the incumbent and sort of the rest is history as they say.
2: excellent so you just asked that 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 scary question lord what do you want me to do he's got all sorts of answers to that doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> amen yes he does <laughs> excellent so uh, well let's talk about a little bit about the general state of education in south dakota
1: yeah. So when we when we think about the general state of education in South Dakota, of course, the answer depends on, you know, what do you mean by education? And most people, when they think of what education is, they think primarily or only of intellectual formation. You know, the study of English and math and science and social studies and technology and philosophy and those sorts of things. And that's certainly a big part of education, but it's not the whole thing. Education isn't just about intellectual formation. That's not like we're out there programming robots. We're not. We're not just creating mindless slaves as mere cogs in the wheel for the workforce of big corporations. You know, at least that's not my aim. So education. When we think about what education is, it's also about human formation and moral formation. Now you can bet that. When you talk about moral formation being a fundamental aspect of education, even in the public schools, that might seem controversial to some. But when you think about the founders of our state, it was so understood and agreeable that moral formation is a fundamental aspect of education that it's literally written into the South Dakota Constitution. Uh, the Constitution in South Dakota says that the stability of a Republican form of government Depending on the morality and intelligence of the people, it shall be the duty of the legislature to establish and maintain a general and uniform system of public schools. So when we talk about general state of education, I think first we need to ask ourselves, okay, how are we doing in formulating the the intellect of of young minds? How are we doing in that formation? But then we also need to consider what kind of moral and human formation are we also providing to these children?
3: So, yeah, so you, ta- you talk about about these things, and and wow, that, that really broadens my perspective of, of what education is. And, and so, how do you, as as a as a government, m- measure your success in those areas?
1: Well, that's a good question. So, if we look first of all, just at intellectual formation and measuring success of that, I guess you got to start out with a bit of a caveat, you know, because anytime we talk about some of the Problems with education, it's probably a good idea to start out by saying that there are really good teachers doing really amazing work for our students. Some of our schools are performing better than others, and some of our children are, are facing tragic experience with rough home lives and those sorts of things that can make learning difficult. But with all those realities in mind, we still have to be able to take an honest look at what's working and what's not working with education in our state. So, when we think about, okay, how are we doing intellectually? How are we doing in formulating, form, forming the intellects of our young students? The South Dakota Department of Education releases testing results from the public schools each year. And in the last year that the data is available, which is 21 and 22, we only saw that 51 percent of our public school students are proficient in English language arts. And only 43% proficient in math and only 42% proficient in science those numbers that uh, represent about a 4% decline in the last 5 years so you know you imagine let's just say there's a school assembly and you have about 200 students let's say all the students from the from the school meet all the parents come and the parents sit up in the bleachers and the students stand Down uh, on the gym floor, and they're distributed equally amongst the uh, amongst the backs uh, on the basketball court. And the school administrator steps up the microphone. and He says, "Hey, I just want to let everyone know that all the students on the left side of the gym here—they're not going to be proficient in English or math or science. Nor do the statistics say that they're going to be. That's not good. Uh, I would expect the parents to be shocked by that revelation. Probably out." by that revelation, and we would demand better outcomes for the students. I just don't think it's good enough that half of our students aren't proficient in these subjects. So we really need to look critically at, okay, we've got a bit of a problem. We're trying our best. You know, these, these teachers are doing what they can in some rough situations. We're trying our best. We need to do better than, than only passing half of our students.
2: Uh, if you're just joining us, we're visiting with John Hanson. Uh, he's a legislator in South Dakota, state legislator in South Dakota. We're talking about the state of education in South Dakota. Just talking about there, about the intellectual formation of, of our young people in the state of South Dakota. So let's talk about that human formation and moral formation. Uh, what, 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 do you, what do you have, what statistics do you have on that, or information do you have for us on that?
0: Well,
1: when we think about those sorts of things, first of all, I mean, when we're talking about human formation... Uh, That would encompass a lot of things. But, you know, you think about physical health, you talk about just learning social interaction, behavior, conversation, manners and customs, those sorts of things. Uh, Patriotism, uh, recognizing and appreciating, appreciating the beauty of God's creation. I mean, those sorts of things that aren't exactly encompassed in, say, math and science, but are very important aspects of our human development. And then when we think about moral formation, think about training in virtue, prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, discerning right versus wrong, discerning good versus evil, and ordering yourself to what is right and good. So then you might ask yourself, you know, when it comes to the public school setting, whose morality are you going to teach? And since there's some disagreement on moral conclusions in the world, as we all know, Um, Some people say, well, perhaps we can just avoid the moral questions altogether. Well, that's just not possible. I mean, you think about it. Students go to school seven hours a day, five days a week, nine months out of the year for 12 years. And to think that you can go to school all that time and avoid moral questions, it's just not going to happen, including in the public schools. Of course not. So if your child is in a public school Um, they are being trained in morality, whether you like it or not, whether intentional or accidental. So then the question becomes, what is that morality rooted in? Is it rooted in the truth as we know it, according to scripture and science and sound reason over centuries? Or is it the morality taught to your child rooted in some sort of progressive leftist ideology? That's a very important question that parents need to answer um, before they can comfortably
2: send their kids to these schools. you just joining us. We're again visiting with John Hansen, the legislator, state legislator in South Dakota. We are going to step away for a break, but we're going to continue our conversation. John, uh, thank you for being with us. This is Real Presence Live, and we will be right back.
0: Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing.
3: Slovenia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible study, Pope John XXIII called for a new Pentecost in our day. Just as the first Pentecost was the foundation for the first missionary impetus of the church, so the new Pentecost is the foundation for the new evangelization, the renewed missionary effort of the body of Christ. In fact, the new evangelization cannot happen without a new Pentecost but To live a new Pentecost is to play with fire because evangelization is about true salvation. It is not about the easy and cultural acceptable path of enrichment. Our God is a holy and awesome God who requires our holiness and trust. Only through life in the Holy Spirit can we model the kingdom and be true missionaries. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at
0: cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network.
2: Good morning. This is Real Presence La- Real Presence Radio. Uh, my name is Steve Smolenskowski in studio with Tom O'Keefe. And uh, we are visiting with John Hansen in South Dakota, talking about the state of education and really just kind of really the philosophy of what is education for. In the other uh, previous segment, we talked about really that education is about human and moral formation, not only just intellectual, but also that, that the morality, the mores, the, uh, the social norms, habits, manners, customs, appreciation of nature, uh, you know, virtue training. That's the whole human person. That's what education is. Is about and uh, just before the break, John, uh, you were talking about how you know when we have this this uh, a sense of of no morality um, in our in our education system. That's kind of where we have to go. We can't really we can't talk about it because it's a it's a tough issue. So let's just not talk about it at all and move forward. Um, And that's not really a good a good thing for us.
1: Yeah, and it's really not possible either because you know like we discussed before the break when your student is in the school system for seven hours a day, five days a week, nine months out of the year for 12 years, they are going to be exposed to moral questions. And And uh, what's going to happen? How is that going to be answered in the school system? And we've seen, even here in South Dakota, that this sort of progressive, leftist, woke ideology has worked its way into our school systems to the detriment of of. Uh, a lot of people involved. I mean, there was a recent case in Watertown, South Dakota, where there were some young girls who were confused about their gender. They were identifying as boys. And they asked the teacher to use their masculine names and their preferred pronouns. And at first the teacher went along with it, but eventually the teacher reconsidered. And that teacher wrote a letter to those students explaining why he felt treating those girls as the opposite sex was wrong. And he said it was a lie. And he explained to them that biologically, every cell in your body is female, feminine. That's the biological truth. Well, as you can imagine, uh, that sparked a lot of controversy. Uh, And um, the Watertown School uh, released a statement that said, in part, that the Watertown School District does not support his actions. And the situation was resolved by the resignation of the teacher. So a teacher speaks um, with with courage, with fortitude, the truth to these young students, and he's met with a resignation. Uh, we have a situation in Vermilion, South Dakota, where a school board down there passed a policy that allows gender-confused boys to use the girls' bathroom. There was a lot of political pressure put on that situation. They wanted to expand it even further. The conversation actually went to locker rooms, even overnight stays, And fortunately, you know, those aspects were were pushed back. But still, the the school board passed a policy that allows a gender-confused boy to walk in and use the girls' bathroom. So imagine a young girl arrives at school. She's Catholic, let's say. And she says, you know what? I believe male and female, he created them. And I want privacy from boys sharing the restroom with me. Well, according to the Vermilion School District, that young girl just gave the wrong answer. That's a problem. So that's where we see this progressive leftist ideology really conflicting with the truth as as we know it, as we've understood it for centuries. So all of this goes to show that schools, they, they aren't neutral on questions of morality. They never will be, because eventually you'll have to decide on questions of morality, culture, and ethics. And so parents out there really need to pay attention. And if your school doesn't share... Your view on these questions, you should really consider whether it's going to change in your school or if you need to get your child out of that situation.
3: And this has become such a, a political football, you know. You know, the Catholic social doctrine, you know, teaches us that some of these decisions should be made at the lowest level possible. Well, you know, at the at the level of family, we we make that decision how we want to raise our children, but then we move into the school system and and are over overridden in that, and then. If the school doesn't follow then then the state gets involved. And even, even nationally, you could become national news overnight over a situation like this uh, this bathroom issue in, in Watertown.
1: That's right. Yeah, well, and, and to your point, I mean, the, the Catholic t- teaching is absolutely right. And, um, you know, we should be respecting parents for, as the primary educators of their children. And I think we've sort of gotten far away from that mentality And we think that, you know, parents are just like passive observers as their child works their way through a public system. That should not be the case. Parents, um, they, they must be respected as the primary educators of their children. And the school should recognize their role as assisting that. And I think as you've seen sort of the education conversation become more politicized, it's because... Parents are realizing, a lot of this happened through COVID, by the way, you know, when children were sent home and then they see some of the materials that are sent uh, to these kids to work on. Parents are realizing that, oh, wow, okay, what's being taught to my child is not consistent with my belief, with my faith beliefs and everything else. And so that's why it's it's just more important now than it ever has been to make sure that parents are alert to what's happening and that they really are the ones in charge of education.
2: You know, it's a great point that you bring up, John, that parents need to be involved. I'm a, I am a uh, homeschool student. I was uh, homeschooled from, uh, I went to public school from kindergarten up through seventh grade, and from that point on, all, 12, my, and all me and twelve of my siblings were homeschooled from that point on. Um, I've, okay. I've homeschooled all of my seven children, um, and in this area... Uh, I mean, my wife taught in the public schools. My, I have relatives who teach in the public schools, and uh, it's scary what's going on out there. And like you said, at the end of the day, can we change this? Most of the uh, most of the education, uh, really the the labor, the unions are all on board with this woke idea. And if you are a conservative teacher, uh, a religious teacher, you get uh, ostracized. And made made the enemy. And so, uh, what are some of the solutions? What, what are the, what do you advocate for um, uh, for parents who are saying, "Yeah, I'm sick and tired of this. I want to take an active role in the education of my child."
1: Well, I think there's there's really at least two primary fronts here. And the first is just making sure that parents are involved in their school in the education of their child. And if their child is going to a public school, that you make sure that you know what's going on. Maybe run for school board. Um, that you pay attention, that you have a good relationship with the teacher of your child and that you know what your child is being taught and that you're able to, you know, have some measure of control over that. Um, When it comes to uh, state policy, I have been a huge proponent of educational choice and um, primarily on that front, trying to make sure that families have the financial freedom to choose the best education option that works best for their students. And maybe sometimes, you know, that's going to be, the public school in their area. And if so, great. But that's not always the case. And sometimes being homeschooled is the best option. And sometimes sending your kids to a non-public school, a Catholic school, is the best option for your child. And families as primary educators of their children ought to be the ones to make that choice. So you see um, efforts across the country now, Arizona, Iowa, Florida, other states that have been successful in championing um, education freedom in terms of vouchers or, or things of that nature. And I think that's going to be more and more important as we go on. And really, when you look at education through the lens of, all right, this is, this is the parent's right to be able to be the primary educator of their child, then you think about a system without vouchers, let's say, and what's happening? Well, you're taking tax money from that parent and you're giving it to a school that that family doesn't want to use. They choose not to use it. And so as the primary educator of their kids, their money is being taken and given to another system that they don't want to use. And in a way, that acts as an injustice to that family. And so it really is an issue where we should treat families fairly, we should respect them as the educators of their kids, and we should open up opportunities for families to really choose the best education option that works for them. And if that's a non public school, Catholic school, or homeschooling, that should be the choice that the family is able to
2: make. If you're just joining us, this is Real Presence Live. We're visiting with John Hansen. He's a, a state legislator in South Dakota. We're really talking about the state of education, not only in South Dakota, but nationwide. As you know, if you're a parent and you have children in school anywhere, you're very concerned about the state of education especially in public schools uh... but but even you know that sense of even in some catholic schools there's that sense of uh... you know that parents are no longer the primary educators uh, it's really an issue and it is catholic teaching that the parents are the primary educators of their children and that they should play an active role and even to our parents who are listening right now if you think well i can just drop my kid off at catholic school um, and they're gonna get all the formation they need and i don't have to support them or or guide them when they get home you're wrong you need to take an active role. You don't get to just drop your kid off at daycare or at school and say, I've done my job. You are the primary educator of your child. And so the invitation is if you're not active to become active and become aware. Uh, and, and John, as, as you're talking here, ha- have any of the students, have any of the youth shared their opinions about the state of education?
1: Oh yeah, we hear from students uh, all up and down. I mean, in my role as a legislator, you know, we hear from students all the time. Um, a lot of times the college students are a little more vocal in it and sharing their experiences, both at the K through 12 level and at the college level. And, uh, they're, they have an important role to play in this as well, obviously. And, um, so we, we welcome their thoughts as well. I mean, um, we're, after all, we're really trying to serve them. I mean, education isn't a jobs program fundamentally. It's about serving students and making sure that we are undertaking the very noble path of forming the intellect um, and the human person and the morality. And then when it comes, of course, you know, when you think about Catholic schools, of course, a Catholic school I don't think would be really serving its purpose if there's not um, an evangelical aspect really at its core as well. Uh, you know, we're, we're a pilgrim people, and ultimately our Catholic schools should be focused on getting souls to heaven, and if we're not doing that as the Catholic schools, we're failing in that regard as well.
2: Yeah, I think we could talk longer, too, about uh, <laughs> about the role of sports versus education. I think there's a huge uh, a disconnect there in all of our schools, including the Catholic schools. But uh, we only have about a minute left, John. So any final thoughts about in the last 30 seconds? Well,
1: I just think that, you know, this issue is so important. I encourage all parents out there to get involved. Um, education, is, in a way, is... Uh, Ensuring that it's it's done right and proper is more important now, I think, than it ever has been before. It's such a beautiful and noble task to form the young minds of our future Americans, and you know that are going to run this country, um, have families, and hopefully um, someday get to heaven. And um, so, be involved, be active, be thoughtful, and, and and let's let's make sure that we serve this next generation of
2: students well amen john hansen south dakota thank you so much for being with us this morning
1: thank you all right appreciate
2: it folks this is real presence live on the other side of the break we're going to come back and talk with father jason leffer about some retreats he's doing at maryville we'll be right back live engaging and local this is real presence
0: live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the real presence radio network